Welcome everyone to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode five of the 2024 podcast series, where we take a look at the draft eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft. And the countdown is definitely on just a couple of days until the college football season officially kicks off Saturday, August 26th. What we've been doing here at Ready for the Draft is really taking a look at each of the conferences. We've already taken a look at the SEC the Big Ten, and the Big 12. Episode 5 is really going to be dedicated to the ACC. Uh, Really what I've been doing is taking a look team by team at the draft eligible prospects. But not only that, really walking through the roster and the depth chart, really taking a look at who are the guys that we really should be paying attention to and keeping an eye out for, and also give my thoughts on how I think the ACC will shake out. So let's go ahead and jump into things. You know, I, I think when you think of the ACC, you traditionally think of Clemson, right? And I look at it this year, I think the team at the top really is going to be Florida State. I think Mike Norvell, what he has going there, he's got a veteran quarterback, he's got a solid ground game, a lot of weapons on offense. And then defensively, he's brought in you know, quite a few guys through the transfer portal. Uh, you know, This is probably about as deep a team as FSU has had in quite some time. Really excited to see what the Knowles can do. And when you talk about that quarterback position, obviously we're talking about Jordan Travis. Uh, Jordan Travis, looking for another breakout season you know look you know over 3200 yards through the air 24 touchdowns five interceptions uh, look a, a guy that I thought um, had a, had a great year you know he, he did a great job you know pushing the football down the field to, to Johnny Wilson his n- main target uh, the big six seven 235 pound receiver who we'll talk about here in just a moment but Jordan Travis also gets the job done with his legs uh, so very versatile quarterback, a guy that I think not only does a great job um, making plays, running the football, but also his ability to manipulate the pocket. I think that's one of the things that really jumps out. He's kind of a a Caleb Williams light, if you will. You know, at 6'1", 201, a little bit smaller uh, in stature, but not by much. Um, over 1,700 yards in his career on the ground, 24 touchdowns, 5.2 yards per carry in his career. I, I just look at Jordan Travis and I think the evolution and his development year over year, you see it. You know, He started out at Florida State after transferring from, from Louisville and a couple years you know, under 60% completion percentage and each year that has just gotten better and better. Uh, 62.9 in 2021, up to 64% in 2022, makes a huge leap in terms of the passing yards. And, and this is a guy that I think is really developing and coming into his own as a passer. It reminds me a lot of what I saw with Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott at, at uh, Mississippi State was a guy that, uh, you know, frankly was a, a, a good athlete who just happened to be playing quarterback. And uh, he really turned himself into a quarterback who happened to be a great athlete. You saw him making the right reads, understanding, you know, surveying the field, going through his progressions, uh, being able to manipulate the pocket. We are seeing that out of Jordan Travis. And he's one of those guys that I think is going to be a sleeper at that quarterback position. Uh, I think he's a guy that could definitely move his way into the top five. Um, you know, there are a lot of people that, that don't think he necessarily has the arm strength. Um, you know, that there are too many mistakes that are made, leaves a little bit too much on the field. I think Jordan Travis is a guy that, you know, is really going to surprise a lot of people. And uh, if he has a big year, then I think Florida State, we're talking about them in the college football playoff. Now, the, the running game, Trey Benson is going to be the guy. And Trey Benson, over 900 yards, just under 1,000 at 990 to be exact. 
nine touchdowns, 6.4 yards per carry, a transfer from Oregon. And uh, this guy ha has the, the physicality and, and the, you know, the, the contact balance. He runs through arm tackles, so physical at the point of attack. But then the explosiveness, especially when he gets out into the open field, he'll run away from you as well. So I, I look at Trey Benson. When we talk about running backs, he's probably in, in that top five, top six range at, at that running back position. What does that mean for the draft itself? You know, could that be round three? Could that be round four? You know, it, it really is going to be a, a question mark right now. But this is a guy that I think is an ascending prospect. We'll be talking more and more about Trey Benson as the season progresses. I, I think the ground game is really going to set things up and take some of that pressure off Jordan Travis. Now, I mentioned Johnny Wilson, the receiver. Look, 6'7", 235 pounds, and he's a vertical threat. Uh, 897 yards uh, receiving uh, a season ago, 20.9 yards per reception and five touchdowns. This was a guy that just seemed to get behind defenses uh, at, at an alarming rate. So, you know, I'm curious to see ultimately what he's going to run at, at the combine, you know, in, in that 40, because he looks like he should be a tight end. Looks like he shouldn't be a receiver. Doesn't look like he should be a guy that, that's running these, these go routes, and yet he's still able to get behind defenses and make plays. The catch radius is, is phenomenal. Um, you know, he's a guy, look, you know, you could continue to put weight on him and he could be a dominant tight end, but I'm really curious to see how things play out as a receiver. Uh, and he's got a great running mate going with him. Keon Coleman out of Michigan State decides to transfer to FSU. And look, you know, they got Johnny Wilson from, from Arizona State. Now they get uh, Keon Coleman. And 6'4", 210, 798 yards uh, receiving for uh, the, the Spartans a season ago at Michigan State. Seven touchdowns. This is a group that can be a dynamic duo. Then you throw in Kentron Poitier, who's 6'3", 205, a junior. Only 14 receptions a season ago, but had four touchdowns, 20.2 yards per reception, and looked phenomenal in the spring. Then you look at the tight end position, and you bring in Jaheim Bell from South Carolina. This is a guy that I think a lot of people are talking about. Um, I think he's going to make a lot of noise. Um, you know, a guy at, at South Carolina, you know, he, he, is, he is undersized, but a guy that can really create some mismatches. He's 6'3", 230 pounds, just an inch shorter than Brock Bowers, but a guy that can get vertical and, and really put pressure on your defense. Uh, 56 catches, 757 yards, and seven touchdowns in his uh, really the first two seasons there at South Carolina, where he really got a chance to make an impact. Um, he transfers here now to to Florida State, and so I think he'll be a guy to really keep an eye out for. Uh, Kyle Morlock. Um, Division II All-American at Shorter College. He's another tight end prospect that you have there. 6'6", 242, only a junior, but a tremendous size. So he'll be a guy to keep an eye out for as well. Uh, when you look at the offensive line, you've got Robert Scott Jr., 6'5", 304. I think people were really looking at him as a bona fide um, draft pick in, in last year's draft. I thought that you know he had an up-and-down year, was still an all-ACC selection, but uh, I thought that you know there was some inconsistency. Saw him bending way too often at the waist and lunging at guys. Didn't always move his feet. I think he needs to clean up some of that technique. Um, so that that's really a, a big question mark for me there. They also bring in uh, you know Casey Roddick, uh, the left guard from Colorado, 6'4", 313, uh, also a senior. Uh, Maurice Smith is one of the better centers, 6'3", 295, only a junior. Um, so they've, they've got some some depth up front, uh, bringing in some of these uh, you know the guys through the transfer portal as well. 
So I, I look at, at Florida State offensively. I think they're going to be explosive. I think they're going to be able to handle things on the, on the ground. I think Jordan Travis is going to have time because of the offensive line to make plays down the field. And when you've got Wilson, Coleman, and Portier, then uh, you've got three really big receivers to, to throw the football to. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, the ACC is going to be in trouble watching these guys. Um, defensively, Jared Verse. You know, this is a guy. Obviously, everyone knows about him. Um, you know, he really burst onto the scene coming from Albany. Um, ACC Rookie of the Year, 6'4", 253, was a double-digit sack guy at Albany, and then comes to Florida State. Much ballyhooed transfer. Uh, 48 tackles, 17 going for loss, nine sacks, and uh, when you watch Jared Verse, you know you see the the ability to set the edge against the run. That's one of the things that I think you know. For as much as we talk about him as a, a uh, pass rusher, he does a great job, really doing uh, you know setting that edge and being physical at the point of attack, being able to shed you know stack and shed his blockers, get off the block, and be able to make a play on uh, the football. But you know, in addition to those, those those sacks, this is a guy also had 22 hurries. He's a guy that's going to look to win early and often. 22.2 win percentage, according to uh, Pro Football Focus. So, to me, he was a guy that could have been a first-round pick in last year's draft. I think if he has another big year, double-digit sacks, we're talking about him in the top 10. Um, I, I think that's really kind of a foregone conclusion at this point. Then, um, you know, Fabian Lovett. They're at that defensive tackle position is an intriguing guy. He's 6'4", 328. I think he's a guy that definitely has a draftable grade. Um, I've got him somewhere in the mid, uh, mid-day three at this point, mid to late day three. Transferred in from Mississippi State. And uh, look, you know, 10.5 tackles for loss, five sacks in his career. A guy that can anchor at the point of attack. And uh, I think he's going to be absorbing a, lo a lot of those blockers to allow a guy uh, like, like Braden Fiske to really put some pressure on the quarterback. Now, Braden Fiske is a, a different kind of dude. He comes in from uh, the MAC uh, at uh, Western Michigan. And uh, what he did there what was really wreak some havoc on the interior. 6'3", 300, um, 12 tackles for loss, 6 sacks this past season, 13 and a half in his career. Also had 59 tackles, so extremely, extremely uh, active at that defensive tackle position. I think Braden Fiske, you pair him up with, with Fabian Lovett and, and Jared Burse, and you've really got some exciting things up front for them. They also have Patrick Payton. The sophomore, 6'5", 243, I think he has a, a chance to have really a, a breakout year. Um, veteran linebackers, uh, Kalen Deloche is, is kind of an undersized guy, 6'1", 211. He almost looks more like a, a safety out there, um, but definitely has a, a ton of range. He's going to look to play sideline to sideline, um, you know, 65 tackles a season ago. Then you have Tatum Bethune, um, you know, 6'1", 230, 84 tackles, um, you know, Led the team in terms of the guys returning was second on the team overall in in, uh, in tackles a season ago. I think he you know you have that a veteran group. Uh, you know they're not flashy. They're not going to wow you. They're not going to be the the huge physical guys that you think of. You know Florida State linebackers, but I think uh, both of these guys are going to be every down backers there for FSU. Um, you know I, I mentioned Braden Fiske, but then they also have Daryl Jackson from Miami. They have Gilbert Edmond. Um, from South Carolina. So you've got some edge rushers that are, are really going to be able to, to tee off. And uh, when you've got a guy like Tavian Lovett in there, that's going to allow those linebackers to make some plays as well. Um, in the secondary, Akeem Dent, 
Bernardo Green, a couple of veteran safeties. I think they both have a chance to be uh, to be drafted. Um, I think Akeem Dent is, is a guy that is just going to continue to grow uh, with this defense, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do. Uh, Greedy Vance Jr., uh, only a, a junior, but the nickel, 5'11", 174 pounds. He's, he led the team in interceptions with three. But the, the guy that I'm really most interested in is Fentrell Cypress. Six foot, 182 pounds, transfers in from um, from Virginia. And I, I think really the big thing that I'm excited to, to see with, with Fentrell Cypress is, is the ball skills. And he, he's a guy that can be a, a lockdown corner. Um, you know, that's something that we saw time and time again. A guy that didn't give up very many yards. You know, you didn't see him uh, committing penalties. You didn't see him giving up touchdowns. Um, really a lockdown guy. 14 pass breakups uh, a season ago. Only the one interception um, as a true freshman for uh, for the Wahoos. But, uh, you know, a, a guy that he's going to come in there at Florida State. They need to have uh, a lockdown corner. Um, and, and I definitely see that that Federal Cypress can be that guy. Renardo Green, uh, you know, is is the corner opposite him. Um, but really, the guy that we're all going to be talking about is uh, is Cypress, I believe. Uh, Shaheem Brown, the the free safety at six two two seventeen, is the guy that I think uh, is a versatile uh, safety playing there next to Akeem Dent. So you know, when I look at this team, I think there's if there is a weakness, it may be at linebacker, only because you know they. They're not flashy. They get the job done, but you know the the front four should be dominant. I think the secondary is a veteran group, and uh, man, they bring in a lot of guys through the transfer portal. It, you know, Mike Norvell. This could be um, really the team that kind of catapults him and catapults this team to the next level. Um, you know, and finally supplant Clemson at, at the top. I think Dabo Sweeney has held that program at the top for quite a while, and I think this may be the time that we see a new uh, ACC champ crowned. But Clemson, let's not get it twisted. Clemson's still going to be a very, very good team. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be tough to knock off at the at the top. When you look at them, obviously you've got Kate Klubnick. It's going to be his team. Um, you know, a guy that needs to continue to develop. Um, you know, not very easy coming in when obviously DJ Uyangalale struggled. But, but Klubnik, you know, replaced him in the ACC championship game, um, led a win over North Carolina, uh, did struggle in the Orange Bowl. So the question is really going to be what type of quarterback are you getting there with Klubnik? I think, like I said, the year under his belt is going to help. Um, but the guy that is special on this offense is Will Shipley. 5'11", 205, the junior. Uh, this is a guy who I, I think has a little bit of everything. You know, he... Um, Really, the, the weird thing is, is Clemson didn't get the ball to him enough uh, a, a season ago. I, I wanted to see this guy get the ball, you know, 25, 30 times a game, um, whether it was catching the football out of the backfield, running the ball between the tackles, or getting him out on the outside. I think he's got the shiftiness and elusiveness in the open field to make you miss. I think he's, he's got the home run speed for you. He's got a little bit of power, but I love the contact balance. He doesn't go down on first contact. Uh, over 1,100 yards a season ago and 15 touchdowns. Also has 54 receptions in his career, including 38 a season ago. Will Shipley, to me, is is a, a top three or four running back in this year's draft class. I just want to see him showcase a little bit more. Um, you know, Garrett Riley coming in now. I, I think that's really going to make things interesting. I think Garrett Riley 
um, arriving on scene is really going to help Will Shipley and kind of elevate his status uh, at that running back position. Uh, a lot of young guys at the receiver spot, you know, Adam Randall, Antonio Williams, Bo Collins. Um, you know, I, I think if there is an area on the offensive side of the ball, it, it's going to be the these receivers. I think that's the thing. You know, who's going to be the guy that's going to lead the group? Um, you know, you've got Antonio Williams, who's going to be the slot receiver, um, 600 yards as a as a freshman. Uh, Bo Collins, um, you know, I battled some injuries. Um, I. I the, frankly, I just I, I don't see enough from him to, to consider him to be a, a special receiver. But look, both he and Adam Randall are big. They're 6'2", 6'3", 220, 230 pounds, big physical receivers. You know, they, they're not going to stretch the defense. That's going to be the big thing. But these are guys that I think can be weapons in the uh, in the red zone. And uh, I, I think you know Klubnik, we're going to see him throw the football up quite a bit and allow these guys to go up, climb the ladder, and try to try to attack that football in the air. Uh, tight end. You know, uh, Davis Allen seemed like he was there for, for quite a while. He was the third leading receiver a season ago. He's gone, but Jake Brittingstool is, is still there. 6'6", 230 pounds, the junior. I think he'll have a breakout year. We could be talking about him potentially deciding to enter the draft. Um, I think he's an athletic tight end. I think he's a guy that's going to stretch the field down the middle of, of the field. And I think he's a solid blocker. I, I think he's a guy that we should be keeping an eye out for at that tight end spot. Uh, you know, four of the five starters return on the offensive line. The one uh, that they're going to have to replace is a big one in, in Jordan McFadden, the left tackle. Uh, so I, I think that's going to be a huge hole. But the number one guy there for me is Will Putnam, the pivot, 6'4", 315. I think he has he has a chance to be a top five uh, center. I think he's definitely draftable sometime on day three. Uh, you know, the big question mark really though is is Kind of what's that going to look like with uh, with with Garrett Riley up front? You know the, this group kind of coming together and, and being able to protect Klubnik and really get things going for uh, for Will Shipley. But um, you know I think Walker Parks at guard 6'5", 315. Marcus Tate 6'5", 325. Um, you know the interior of the line I feel a lot more confident in than than the the, the tackles. And when you're going up against the likes of, of Jared uh, Verse, that's not something that you want to hear. You want to make sure that you have tackles lined up and, and ready to go. Uh, you know, sophomore Blake Miller at the right tackle spot, 6'6", 315. He's going to have his work cut out for him, as is Tristan, Lay, uh, or Tristan Lee. He's going to be the guy that, that's going to try to hold down that left tackle spot, the, the, the sophomore, number 71. Defensively, this is where Clemson is going to make a name for themselves yet again. Um, obviously, you have Brian Brissy and Miles uh, Murphy uh, on that field a season ago. Um, but what was crazy was down the stretch, every time I tried to put on the film to watch Murphy and Brissy, there were two players that were flashing. It was the two linebackers. You know, you're talking about Barrett Carter, number zero, and Jeremiah Trotter Jr., uh, number 54. These guys were all over the field. I mean, they're 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 not the biggest guys. Jeremiah Trotter, six foot two thirty. Barrett Barrett Carter, six one two twenty five. But they just flew around and and just made plays. That was the thing that was so much fun to watch. Trotter just filled the stat sheet. Uh, you know, ninety two tackles, thirteen and a half going for loss. Had six and a half sacks to lead the team. You know, that's with Miles Murphy and Brian Bercy on the roster. Um, and then Barrett Carter, 10.5 tackles for loss a season ago, a couple of interceptions as well. Uh, these are guys that they, uh, they're they instinctive, they fly around, they make plays. I think they, they both 
should be in consideration as as first rounders. Here's the thing: they are undersized, and I know that the the league is moving on to uh, having more of those hybrid type linebackers. But when you think of linebackers that are drafted in round one, um, you know Isaiah Simmons is a guy that comes to mind, um, and then obviously Jack Campbell. You know these guys are big; they're physical freaks. These are undersized linebackers. Normally, those undersized linebackers aren't coming off the board until day two at the earliest. So these are two guys that are going to have to separate themselves and really force NFL teams to take not only take notice, but say, I've got to have these guys as playmakers in round number one. I don't care if they are undersized. We've seen Bryce Young kind of flip the script on things. I think Brock Bowers is going to do the same thing at tight end. These are two guys that I think you know, could push hard to change the script for these undersized linebackers and really kind of take us into this new age in the NFL. Now up front, the defensive tackle spot, uh, th this is a group that could very well be the top D-tackle duo. And, and I'm talking about Tyler Davis and Rook Ororo. Uh, now with Tyler Davis, look, 6'2", 300 pounds. This is a guy that he was a running mate with uh, Brian Brissi. And the two of them just seem to wreak havoc as true freshmen for the Tigers. Um, unfortunately, you know, I, I mean, look, he had 45 tackles, 10 and a half going for loss, six and a half sacks, and then saw the injury bug. You know, seven, only seven games in, in 2020, eight games in 2021, uh, a torn biceps, uh, and really just couldn't get his footing under him to really get things going. You look at 2022, nine and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks. We started to see that burst coming back. We started to see the active hands, his ability to, to shed blockers and get quick penetration. Tyler Davis is a guy that when he is at 100%, yes, he is a little undersized, but I look at Tyler Davis. He's not getting out of day two. He's a guy that, to me, is is a, a three technique and a guy that you know is going to be shooting gaps and put pressure on the quarterback and make plays behind the line of scrimmage. And then, look, if there was anybody that benefited the most from, from Brian Brissi going down to injury and, and Tyler Davis, it was Ruka Roro. You know, 6'4", 295. This is a guy that was able to really put on a show at the defensive tackle position. Um, you know, I mean, at 6'4", 295, he's got good size, but back-to-back -back years with eight tackles for loss and six and a half sacks during that time frame. And so I look at him. I think he's a guy that's going to continue to develop, continue to progress at that D tackle spot, and you know I think this is a group, a duo that we're going to be talking about in, in day two consideration. You know, could they fall potentially to round four? Sure, but that second, second to fourth round, that's kind of their window. That's really where I, I see these guys coming off the board. Uh, you know, Xavier Thomas, 6'2", 255, a much ballyhooed um, edge rusher, came in with a lot of hype and just has battled so many injuries. He just cannot stay healthy. Um, you know, he started out eight and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks as a true freshman, but uh, he only played in five games in 2020, three in 2022, uh, just always seems to be getting hurt. This is his really his final chance to have a breakout year. He'll be playing, you know, the edge rush spot there with, with Justin Maskell. I think this is the, the area where Clemson is going to struggle. I think they need to find a guy that can put on the uh, pressure on the quarterback consistently off the edge. And I just don't know if Xavier Thomas has the juice to be able to do that. And really, Justin Maskell, you know, he, he hasn't been able to to step his game up yet. 
So I, I'm waiting. It's basically a wait and see with the edge rush position for them. When you look at the secondary, obviously the guy that you're going to be talking about first and foremost is going to be Andrew McCubin, six foot, 185 pound, uh, strong safety. Uh, this is a guy again. He's going to be physical at the point of attack, uh, coming downhill. Uh, a guy that has really good range over the top. But, uh, you know, I think his game, he's going to want to come up and hit you. He's going to want to hurt you. And, uh, you know, 54 tackles a season ago. He has 10 pass breakups in his career. He's a guy that has a chance to be a top five safety uh, when it's all said and done when we're talking about this draft class. Um, Nate Wiggins is probably your, your top uh, top corner right now. I think he's kind of emerging as, as the guy. Um, 6'2", 185 pounds, only a junior but, uh, you know, I think Wiggins um, need, just needs some additional seasoning, but uh, had, had the one pick, returned 98 yards for a touchdown, 13 pass breakups. I think he's the guy that everyone's going to be talking about. Opposite him will be Sheridan Jones, six foot, 185 pounds, a guy that, um, you know, I think they've been waiting for him to step up and, and make plays. I think he's been way too inconsistent. Um, you know, I, I think Jalen Phillips, the free safety, is a guy that could uh, find himself in that draft conversation as a day three prospect. A guy that, you know, look, in his first full season as a starter, 74 tackles, uh, a guy that, you know, showed that he could come downhill. Um, just want to see more from him. Can he play over the top? Does he have enough range to make plays? Um, I think they're just, you know, the consistency wasn't there. So that's something that I'm really waiting to see there with, with Jalen Phillips. But I think he's a guy that can sneak his way there into that day three conversation. So with, with Clemson, I, I think this is a team that um, is going to be carried more than likely by their defense for, for much of the season um, until Clay, Kate Clubman can get his his legs underneath him. I think Will Shipley needs to have the football in his hand you know, 25-plus times a game. Which takes us to the North Carolina Tar Heels. Now, UNC, obviously they're going to be led by uh, their, their all-everything quarterback, Drake May. 6'4", 225, uh, a guy who, look, he burst onto the scene, was the ACC player of the year, um, you know, a guy that, look, um, you know, 358.5, yards of, of total offense per game a season ago that was second in the nation uh he's just he's such a smooth quarterback makes everything look easy that's what's so much fun and look he was a redshirt freshman and he was still balling out the way that he did and i think that's one of the things that kind of separates him from some of the other quarterbacks 10th in the heisman voting um 66 completion percentage over 4300 yards 38 touchdowns did have seven interceptions he does kind of rely on his arm a little bit too much and uh will make some some inopportune throws uh, needs to cut down on those mistakes but look he's also very athletic uh 698 yards on the ground seven touchdowns but you know he'll make those difficult throws look easy you know you think of a, a josh allen or a justin herbert the ability to you know, to, to roll out and make throws on the run, the ability to, as he's going down, kind of toss the ball up and deliver a strike to his receivers, um, whether it's in the red zone or, or down the field. Um, to me, I, I look at Drake May. He, he's either QB1 uh, A or QB1 B. Uh, there's not too much of a separation between him and, and Caleb Williams. Um, I, I think Drake May is primed for a big year. The big question mark really is going to be uh, can he develop the chemistry there at that receiver position? That's going to be the huge, uh, the huge question mark. I think for me, more than anything else, when you look at the group, um, you know, 
jo Joshua Downs is not there. Um, that that's going to be a huge, um, you know, that, that's that's a huge hole in, in that that receiving core. And, and when you think about it, not only is he gone, but a, and uh, Antoine Green is also gone. So your leading receiver coming back is actually Bryson Nesbitt. 35 catches, 507 yards, and four touchdowns. Nesbitt is a 6'5", 235-pound junior tight end. Um, I, I think he's a guy that can have a big year, uh, a, a guy that, that could be a weapon in, in the uh, in the red zone. He'll be sharing some time with Kamari Morales. Uh, I think he's the better blocker of the two, but I think Bry Byron Bryson Nesbitt has a chance to really have a breakout year and be that that, that weapon for, for Drake May down the football field, really being able to stretch defenses a little bit. So that, that's really one of the guys that I'm really looking forward to. I know that you know the, the NCAA ruled against uh, Devontae Walker, the 6'2", 195-pounder. He was going to be a go-to receiver for, for uh, Drake May in the passing game. Um, you know, came over from Kent State. That's really going to be a big question mark. What's going to happen there? Um, is there any way that they can get him on the field? I, I just I, I don't think that's going to happen. But you know we'll have to kind of see how that plays out. They do have Nate McCollum um, coming in from Georgia Tech, uh, 5'11", 180 pounds, a guy that had 60 catches for 655 yards, three touchdowns a season ago with the Ramblin' Wreck, and. Uh, you know, I, I think he's a guy that is going to be relied upon in that receiving core. They've got J.J. Jones, Kobe Pacer. Um, you know, that's going to be the big question mark. Can he develop the chemistry with this group? We saw Josh Allen, for example, struggle when he lost his top running back, Brian Hill, uh, and, and his tight end, Jacob Hollister, and his wide receiver, Taylor Gentry, all to the NFL. And then he had to build chemistry with those receivers coming in, it took uh, took its toll a little bit. I think we also saw the same thing with Sam Howell there at UNC. Um, had phenomenal years there with Daz Newsom and Deami Brown, and then the two of them left, and he struggled to build some of that chemistry with his receiving core. I think that's going to be the big question mark there with Drake May. If he can really put on a show uh, with a new cast of receivers, I think that's going to bode well for his draft stock for sure. Top running back is going to be Elijah Green. This was a, a group really that that struggled to, uh, you know, they were kind of a running back by committee, if you will. Uh, Drake May was actually the the leading rusher for UNC uh, with, with Green, six foot two hundred five. He's a junior. He's going to get the first crack at being the bell cow. Eight touchdowns a season ago, um, but uh, you know, I, I think he's a guy that we're not talking about for the twenty twenty three draft. He's really going to have to step up his game, um, you know, if we're going to be talking about him in next year's draft as a draft eligible guy. Uh, when you look at them up front, they, they've got uh, some veterans. Um, obviously, William Barnes, the left tackle, 6'4", 320. Ed Monolis, um, you know, Corey Gaynor uh, at left guard and center, respectively. Spencer Rollin, uh, the right tackle as well. So you return four starters. Uh, these guys, they're not they're not flashy by any means, but uh, they're, they're, they've got a lot of depth. And I think that's the thing that's really going to be exciting. These are guys that you know are in their fifth year of, of, of uh, you know eligibility, and uh, you know I, I think Ed Monolis, Corey Gaynor on the interior of that line specifically are, are guys that uh, I, I think they can really rely upon. Then they also get uh, you know Willie Lampkin. You know Lampkin could be a center, he could be a guard. He's an undersized guy, six foot two seventy five. But this was a guy that was I believe a freshman All American at uh, Coastal Carolina. He's just, he's small. He, he doesn't fit the, the, the typical mold 
for an offensive lineman. He doesn't have much length to him, and he's not really very stout. You know, he's not a, a big guy. He's not very thick, but what he makes up for is leverage and technique. Uh, so I, it'll be interesting to see what he can do in a Power Five conference. Now, defensively, you know they, they bring a lot of uh, you know a lot of veterans to the game as well. Um, you look up front; they've got Miles Murphy and Kevin Hester. The defensive tackles are both right around 6'4", 6'5", 305 pounds. I think they're going to be two guys that we can rely upon up front. Um, Desmond Evans is a 6'6", 275-pound defensive end. He'll be another guy to, I think, keep an eye on. But uh, the, the pass rusher for them that led the team um, in terms of the returners is, is going to be Kamon Rucker, 6'2", 265. Um, you know, the question really is going to be how consistent can he get on, you know, can he put on, uh, pressure on the quarterback? This was a team that really struggled to stop the run. They struggled to, to get after the quarterback. So this line needs to step up, um, even though they are a couple of veterans. Uh, when you look at the, the linebacker position, Cedric Gray may be one of the best in the country. 6'2", 220 pounds, 145 tackles a season ago. Um, very quick laterally, a guy that's going to come downhill and make plays behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, his running mate, Power Eccles, is only a junior, but six foot, 225 pounds. He had 103 tackles a season ago. These are the two guys that are going to fly around and make plays uh, for you. I think that's really going to be – they're going to be the guys uh, that are going to uh, – be the, the the headliners. So if you're thinking about Carolina and that defense, they got to get better up front. But it's going to be the linebackers that are kind of going to you know be the that support system there for this group. Um, they, they've got a couple of safeties. Um, you know DeAndre Boykins, uh, Giovanni Biggers. Those are two guys that, that I think you need to keep an eye on. But look, you know they they lose uh, Dre Bly, their cornerbacks coach. He moved on to the Lions, so you know, obviously you lose him. So the, the secondary needs to uh, needs to come up and and really have a big year. They do get Armani Chapman transferring in from Virginia Tech. Uh, Elijah, uh, you know, Huzzy, uh, another corner. He comes in from ETSU. I think those are two guys that we are expecting to to start at the beginning of the season. When you look at Armani Chapman um, and what he meant to Va Tech in, in their secondary, 5'11", 205. 20 pass breakups in his career. This is a guy that I think really needs to step up and kind of be that leader of the secondary because, look, I think Carolina, they've got you know a couple of studs at the linebacker spot, but a lot of unknowns in the secondary and a lot of knowns, unknowns really up front. Can that group improve upon uh, you know a poor uh, season a season ago? Uh, Gene Chizik, I think he's got his work cut out for him. Um, Carolina, though, they're always going to be in games because you've got Drake May there at quarterback. Speaking of quarterbacks, I think a quarterback that's going to be flying under the radar because he's at Duke, but a guy that I think, uh, you know, is he on Daniel Jones's level? Maybe not, but uh, he's a guy that's pretty darn good, and that's Riley Leonard. Um, you know, I think he's going to have Duke in that talks, possibly as a top 25 school, 6'4", 209, um, one of the top quarterbacks in the ACC. Um, 20 passing touchdowns, over 2,900 yards through the air. Also led the team with 699 yards on the ground, uh, only intercepted six times. So when you think about that, this is a guy that, that can take care of the football. He's pretty athletic. You know, at 6'4", 205, not the biggest guy, but you know, he moves really well, sees the field exceptionally well, excellent arm throwing down the field, uh, pinpoint accuracy, can fit the ball into a tight window. He's a guy to really keep an eye out for 
I'm looking forward to watching Duke football because of Riley Leonard. Um, they've got a veteran up front on, on you know, at, at the running back and Jordan Waters, 6'1", 215. Um, Want to see him take some pressure off uh, Riley Leonard. That's something that I, uh, I think you really have to keep an eye out for there. Uh, you know, Jalen Calhoun, the 5'11", 190-pound senior wide receiver. Uh, he's their leading, leading returner. Um, with 873 yards and, and four touchdowns. Uh, Eli Pankle uh, is a 6'3 receiver with, with an excellent wingspan. Jordan uh, Jordan Moore is another receiver that I think they'll be able to rely upon. He's a guy that was a converted quarterback, but I think he's continuing to develop. And then on that offensive line, Graham Barton, 6'6", 306 pounds. This is kind of the the guy that's going to be protecting Riley Leonard's back uh, blind side, and he's a future NFL guy. Um, you know, could he play inside a guard? It's possible, but when I look at him, I think he and Kingsley Suamataya uh, there at BYU, they're going to be competing to be that number four tackle off the board after Olu Fashanu, Joe Alt, and J.C. Latham. Defensively, uh, R.J. Oben, you know, at 6'5", 255. He's a guy that I think they're going to rely upon to, to put some pressure off the quarterback coming off the edge. I think he can disrupt the line of scrimmage a little bit there. But Dwayne Carter is is my guy there at D-Tackle. 6'3", 303, um, always seemed to be making plays around the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, he has some pass rush ability as well. Uh, 11 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks a season ago. Um, he's going to be a guy that I think NFL teams are going to be coming to watch Watch Duke um, on the defensive side of the ball as much as Riley Leonard on the offensive side. Um, so it, it, he's going to be an exciting, exciting player, I think, for sure. In the secondary, you're going to get a couple of veterans in, uh, you know, Miles Jones, Al Blades Jr. Um, these are guys that I think need to kind of you know, resurrect their careers. I think kind of an up and down uh, careers at, at both AM and Miami, respectively. Uh, Jones, though, you know, look, they bring experience to the position. Um, I think Miles Jones, his career started there at AM, really just kind of taking people by by storm. And, and look, you know, at six four, uh, you know, he's got a lot a lot of length. Um, but uh, you know, the last two seasons there only played in in one game apiece in 2021 and 2022 uh the big question mark is is can jones stay on the field uh, when he does look 29 pass breakups in his career you know the medicals are, that's going to be the big question mark for him more than anything else and then with al blades jr 6'1 188 pounds a guy you know look 14 pass breakups in his career but uh, battled some injuries you know, to his game as well. Uh, just two games in 2021, season-ending injury, comes back in 2022, and you know, really loses that starting job. And so that's why he's now in Durham, North Carolina. Um, but that, that secondary, that really is the, bull, the boost that they needed. Um, so if you've got Carter, you've got Oban up front, these guys on the back end, um, that really makes Duke rather formidable on the defensive side. I think if there's going to be a weakness, it's really going to be at that linebacker spot. Uh, Dorian uh, Mausi, uh, 6'2", 223 pounds. He's going to be the guy that's going to kind of hold the middle of that defense. I think Duke has a great chance to be the, the fourth best team in the ACC. I think it's going to be something that we need to keep an eye out for, for sure. Um, how about let's talk about the Miami Hurricanes. You know, this is a team that you know really up and down season last year. Under uh, Mario Cristobal, Cristobal is back for a, a second season. Look, you know they're five and seven. Um, they they really hit a stretch where you know they lost three in a row. They lost to Middle Tennessee, 45-31. Uh, 
Um, you know, it's a team that needs to really kind of find an identity. I think Tyler Van Dyke, the quarterback, really, really struggled a season ago. Ten touchdowns, five interceptions, but a big part of last season was his health. Needing to stay healthy this year, that's going to be something that I think you really have to keep an eye out for. When you think about it, you know, ACC Rookie of the Year in 2021, 2,900 yards through the air and 26 touchdowns. He was a guy that we were talking about potentially entering the draft as a potential prospect as a redshirt sophomore if he had another big year then obviously he hits the skids he's still only a junior 6'4 224 he's going to be the guy that i think they're really going to be relying upon the running game is, is led by henry Parrish, the junior 5'10 190 pounds he's back for another year 616 yards on the ground don't really see him uh entering the draft but uh you know, a, a guy that you can really build upon in that running game um, for the next couple of years. Uh, they get Frank Ladson Jr. coming in from Clemson um, at that receiver spot. They're really young. I think Xavier Restrepo is probably the, the guy that I'm most excited to watch play. I think he's a guy that can really stretch the defense a little bit. Um, tight end, uh, you've got Elijah Arroyo, uh, only a sophomore. But uh, he'll be a guy that I think will be a weapon there for Tyler Van Dyke. Same with Cam McCormick. Uh, I want to say McCormick, you know, he transfers in from Oregon. Um, he's reunited with Mario Cristobal, 6'5", 260, really good size, decent uh, blocker, but a guy that I think can really hold his own um, as a, a, a pass catcher as well. Um, Zion Nelson up front, the left tackle, I swear, I feel like this guy's been on the team for forever consistency is the biggest thing obviously he's coming off of a um a season ending injury and he's back for another year when healthy he's one of the best tackles in all of college football the question is is can he stay healthy and can he play consistent football you know i think the athleticism is absolutely there he's gonna get the first crack there at left tackle you've got jalen rivers uh the, the freshman 6'5 325 you know there's francis maigoa um, at right tackle, 6'6", 315. Um, so you know, with Zion, he's got to make sure that he holds off these guys up front. Um, you know, Alabama transfer Javion Cohen, the guy that we're going to be talking about probably in that fourth round range, 6'4", 305, only a junior. He may decide to enter the draft. Matt Lee, one of the more efficient centers when he was at UCF, he transfers in 6'4", 295. I think he's probably you know the third or fourth best center um, in all of college football. Three-year starter there for the Golden Knights. Welcome addition there at, at the pivot. So they've got some some definite talent. There's going to be some young guys up front. So, but you know, when you're learning from Mario Cristobal, this is a group that can learn uh, very quickly uh, that they can hold their own there up front. Um, I think when you also look at at this this group, uh, Leonard Taylor is a guy that I think has a chance to be a, a top five defensive tackle in uh, in this draft class. A guy that knows how to put pressure on the quarterback um, as well as hold the point of attack. Ten and a half tackles for loss, three sacks, also an interception this past season. He's a guy that I think is primed for a big year. Akeem Mesidor. Um, this is a guy that I think is, is kind of underrated, flying under the radar a little bit. 6'2", 272, kind of a tweener. You know, what position is he going to play? He'll probably end up playing a 43 uh, you know, defensive end. Um, started his career at Western, uh, West Virginia. Nine and a half sacks there, 14 and a half tackles for loss. Shows up at Miami. Ten and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks. A guy that can, you know, he shows a good burst coming off the football. Excellent hands at the point of attack as well. 
Um, so he'll be a guy for sure that we have to keep an eye out for. Uh, you know, the linebacking core got a boost with Francisco Maligoa, Francis's brother coming in from Washington State. Uh, a, a guy that I think can be a talented player for them. He's a junior. Um, I don't see him leaving the program, even if he has a big year, because obviously he's going to get to play with his brother, um, at least for, for one more season. But then the secondary, you know, they've got a couple of junior corners who are, you know, they need to have step up. Um, that's something that I think you'll have to keep an eye on. You know, Devontae Brown uh, transfers in from UCF. 31-game uh, starter, uh, a guy that had a couple of interceptions a season ago. He's got decent size, at 6'2", 185 pounds, but it's all about the safeties. Cam Kitchens, um, you know, 59 tackles, a guy that also you know can make plays in the passing game. Had six, yes, six interceptions a season ago. He he could very well be the top safety prospect in this draft class. Then you have a guy who's a physical freak in James Williams. I think he's 6'5", 215. He may actually be showing up and playing bigger than that. Um, you know, 58 tackles as well. You know, he's, he'll be a big hitter for you. I uh, just want to see how fluid the hips are going to be at that safety position. That's going to be a big question mark for sure. Uh, one guy that I, I left out was uh, Jafari Harvey. Uh, five and a half sacks a season ago. Uh, you know, He's a guy that I think is going to, he may not even start the season as a starter. That's, you know, I think, you know, it says a lot about the, the depth and how far they're, they're coming up front. This is a guy, look, 6'4", 252, uh, five and a half sacks a season ago, started to progress, uh, really want to see what he can do uh, in his final season there with the Hurricanes. Um, so I, I think Miami will be much improved. Um, I think the skill position, uh, really need to, to step up on the offensive side of the football. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke needs to stay healthy, be consistent and then on the defensive side of the ball um, just want to see again some consistent play really want to see the corner step up and have a big year as well. I think that takes us to NC State and when you think of NC State football you really have thought of Devin Leary uh, for the last few years he's actually gone and moved on to Kentucky so in why not bring in Brendan Armstrong now, Brennan Armstrong was a three-year starter there at Virginia. So you get a guy that's already in conference and uh, a guy who has a, a big arm. He's 6'2", 210 pounds, pretty mobile guy in the pocket. Um, you know, this is another guy who, frankly, needs to stay healthy. Um, you know, he, he battled some, some injuries during his time there at Virginia. 60% uh, career passer. Uh, look, seven touchdowns and 12 interceptions a season ago. Really struggled there. Double-digit interceptions in each of the last three seasons at UVA. He's got to cut down on the mistakes. But, you know, over 1,200 yards on the ground and 20 touchdowns. So, you know, you love the dual-threat ability. He just needs to make sure that he's making the right decisions there uh, for the Wolfpack. Um, I think, you know, running the football, you've got the senior Jordan Houston, only 544 yards on the ground a season ago, 5'10", 180 pounds. He'll be the guy to kind of rely upon in that pass, in that running game, excuse me. Passing game, um, you know, the there, there aren't really any skill position guys that wow me. I think the guy that I could get most excited about is Trent Penix, 6'3", 235, the senior tight end, uh, really kind of a jack-of-all-trades. I think he could also be an H-back, really line up all over the field. He was a converted running back, limited last year by some injuries, but I think he'll be a guy to, to keep an eye out for. And then on, on the offensive line, Dylan McMahon, the center, uh, only a junior but a guy that I think has, has a lot of potential, 6'4", 305. He'll probably come back for another year, but a guy that I think can, can really hold the point of attack there at that center spot. Defensively, let's talk about Peyton Wilson. 
When Peyton Wilson is healthy, he's one of the best linebackers in the game. Um, you know, a guy that you know has battled a shoulder injury. Uh, he just can't seem to stay on the field. You know, he's 6'4", 235, tremendous size. Um, you know, 108 tackles in 2020. Uh, you know, 11 tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. You know, hyped up coming into 2021. Only plays in the two games. Uh, this past season, again, nicked up here and there, but 82 tackles, 12 and a half going for loss, four and a half sacks. A guy that you know can fly around to make plays. I think really the biggest thing that we haven't seen from him is dropping into coverage. That's really if he wants to elevate his draft stock. Yes, you can put pressure on the quarterback. Um, you can um, make plays around and behind the line of scrimmage, but can you also drop into coverage? And that's something that we just haven't seen Peyton uh, Wilson do enough of. But this is a guy that did make the Bruce Feldman all freaks list when you think about that. I mean, again, you know, he led the ACC, as Feldman notes, led the ACC in tackles in 2020. Missed 2021 with that shoulder injury that I mentioned. Uh, but this is a guy that ran a 4.49.40 at 6'4", 2.35. Um, bench press, you know, 390 pounds, 35 and a half inch vertical jump, broad jump, nine nine feet, eight and a half inches. I think about this guy. He's got the size of Jack Campbell. He's got the instincts of Jack Campbell. Can he stay healthy? The medicals are really going to have to check out for him. Um, I, I think Peyton Wilson has a chance to be a day two pick. The medicals are going to be huge for him. I just don't think that there's enough there to really allow him to vault into day one status. But I, I think if he can have a big year, stay healthy, stay on the field, Peyton Wilson will move up draft boards. And then in the secondary, you've got Shaheen Battle and you've got Aiden White. These are two guys that I think, you know, one of the best uh, corner duos. White, you know, look, he was a first-team All-ACC selection a season ago. Four interceptions, excellent ball skills. Uh, Shaheen Battle... Uh, you know, had a couple of picks himself. Those are going to be the guys that you're really going to rely upon on the back end of the defense. I think those are guys that are going to have to step up and make some plays um, and, and really hold things down. Uh, the question is, is who's going to put pressure on the quarterback? Uh, I mentioned Peyton Wilson. Look, four and a half sacks. He led the team uh, in terms of the returners in sacks along with Davin Van. I think Van's going to have to be the guy up front, 6'2", 272. Only a junior. Uh, Savion Jackson. Another defensive end. He's 6'2", 280 pounds. He is a senior this year. Um, he's back from a knee injury. You know, I mean, that's really the big thing is, is can this defense stay healthy? You know, that's that's what I think everybody is looking for. You know, they've got the 3-3-5 scheme that they run uh, at NC State. If they can put pressure on the quarterback, you know, uh, I think that's really going to be a huge key. They lose some guys there at the linebacker spot. You know, Isaiah Moore, Drake Thomas, no longer there. They're going to have to find ways to get pressure on the quarterback. Um, I think that's really going to be the big key. And keep Peyton Wilson healthy. If they can do that, then I think you know this is a team that um, could surprise some people in the ACC. Which takes us to Louisville. And with Louisville, Jeff Brom, first year there as the as the head coach. Obviously, this is a guy that was a, a passer uh, extraordinaire for the Cardinals. Uh, did some good things there at Purdue. Bringing his quarterback with him, Jack Plummer, 6'5", 215 pounds. Interesting journey. Actually played four years at Purdue. Transferred to Cal last year. Um, over 3,000 yards through the air. 21 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Uh, he's going to be back with Jeff Brom, so it'll be interesting to see you know where his development takes him. 
Junior Jawar Jordan is going to be the running back. Um, 815 yards on the ground. Um, a, a guy that has some explosiveness. Uh, can take the take it take it deep, um, if you will. Um, look, the receiving core. It's a very young group. Um, Amari Huggins Bruce is the only receiver. Uh, with more than seven receptions. So, I mean, that's a little scary to think of. Uh, Georgia State transfer, Jamari Thrash, is going to have to be, have a big year. He's only a junior as well. So, again, young at the skill position. I think offensive line, uh, they're going to struggle to to open up holes for, for the running back. They're going to struggle, I think, in the passing attack as well. Um, you know, Brian Hudson is, is the center. He will be the anchor of this offensive line. Uh, has... All ACC potential, 6'4", 305. He'll be a guy that'll be in my top 10 at that center position for sure. Uh, the right tackle, Renato Brown, also has some experience coming back. He's a 6'4", 315-pound junior. Um, you know, it, it's something that they're they're very young, very inexperienced, and so I think Jeff Brom is going to have his work cut out for him. Um, really, kind of getting this game, this team to to move forward. They have to replace some guys on defense as well. Yaya Diaby. Uh, Yasir Abdullah, Keetrell Clark, all guys that came off the board in the third, fifth, and sixth rounds, respectively. Um, they did add Storm Duck at that cornerback spot, six foot two hundred. Uh, this was a guy that I, I think you know really um, had had a solid year there or solid career at North Carolina. Uh, six foot two hundred five, seventeen pass breakups, five interceptions in his career for the the Tar Heels. Uh, I thought. 2022 was actually his best season. Uh, struggled to stay on the field at times, especially in 2021. Um, but a guy that uh, needs to just prove that he can stay healthy and be consistent. I think he has the ball skills. He has the ability. Just can he elevate his game? That's going to be the big question mark more than anything else. Um, they've got some guys that can get pressure on the quarterback up front, uh, namely Ashton Jalot, 6'3", 270. He's only a junior, but he's one of those sneaky guys that we could end up talking about sneaking into draft consideration with a big year. Um, eight tackles for loss, seven sacks a season ago. I think he has double-digit sack potential, and if he does that, there's a good chance that we could see him uh, decide to uh, enter the draft. Um, one more guy to, to make mention of, and that's Jarvis Brownlee, another guy that's returning from a season ago. Junior corner, six foot, 190 pounds, a guy that had 12 pass breakups um, and, and was third on the team in tackles. He's going to be, uh, you know, he and Storm Duck really going to provide some veteran leadership on this defense along with Shalott. Um, you know, a couple of junior safeties on the back end, Desmond Tell, the nose tackle, undersized, but a guy that, you know, can make some plays for them. Um, look, They've got to replace a lot of guys on defense, and they're young on offense. I just I, I don't know what to expect here. I think Jeff Brom's really going to have his work cut out for him with this group. Uh, needs to have some of the transfer step up and play big for them if they want to make any noise there in the ACC. Which takes us to Wake Forest, and I'll tell you what the Demon Deacons. Obviously, you know when you lose Sam Hartman, your quarterback, um, that definitely hurts. So you know Mitch Griffiths is going to be the guy that's stepping in, the sophomore. Um, he, he played when Sam Hartman was out. Um, three touchdown passes against VMI, 288 yards. They, they won 44-10 to 10 in that game. Um, he's a guy that, uh, you know, look, he's going to have to step up and have a big year. Um, you know, it, it's going to be tough to, to fill the void left by Sam Hartman, so that's going to be something that um, I think all eyes are going to be on him for sure to see what he can do. 
can he keep Wake Forest in that 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 second tier uh, of teams there in the ACC? Eight eight and five a season ago. They were only three and five in, in ACC play though. So that's something that I think uh, Dave Clawson wants to definitely improve upon. Um, on the ground, you're going to have Justice Ellison, the running back. He's back. Um, 707 yards on the ground, six touchdowns, 5'10", 204. Uh, provides some physicality to that running game. Um, passing attack, I think Jamal Banks is a big, big receiver. He's 6'4", 208. Only a junior, though. Um, but I think he's a guy that they're going to be relying on a lot more than, uh, than I think we would have expected early on. Obviously, with A.T. Perry gone, he's going to be the guy that could be that vertical threat. Uh, 15.6 yard, yards per reception in his career. The reason why they're going to be counting on him and leaning on him a little bit more is because Donovan Green, out four to five months with a knee injury. Uh, Donovan Green was another guy that I was going to be keeping an eye on. Could he have a big year? Could he potentially enter the draft as well? And the reason why they're going to be leaning on Jamal Banks is Donovan Green, out four to five months with a knee injury. That essentially kind of limits that season and I think Donovan Green any chance of him potentially entering this year's draft uh, kind of goes by the wayside um, up front offensive line Michael Jurgens. this is you know a veteran center 6'4 295 top 10 center in my opinion um, he's a guy that's going to push for uh, you know draft position there on day three I think he's a guy that could potentially see himself get drafted defensively this is a team that, that gave up points 30 or more Looks like seven times, you know, um, you know, uh, 36 to Liberty, 51 to Clemson, uh, 48 to Louisville, 30 to NC State, North Carolina, 36, Syracuse, 35, Duke, 34. So this is a team that really struggled to, to stop anybody. And uh, they, they, you know, there's some holes to fill up front and really across that entire front, uh, front seven. Um, you look at Chase Jones, the 6'1", 231-pound uh, linebacker. He's the guy that I think is, is going to be relied upon as kind of one of the leaders of the team. And then in the secondary, I look at uh, at Shaylen Garns, the, the safety, 5'11", 200 pounds, senior. He's the guy that I think they're going to rely upon there on the back end. Uh, Malik Mustafa is another guy, 5'10", 205. But I think the guy with the, with the best ball skills uh, of the group is going to be Kalen Carson. He's six foot, 195 pounds. Um, he's a guy to, that I really enjoyed watching a, a season ago. I thought you know you saw some fluid movement out of him. Um, you know, 18 ta uh, pass breakups in his career. Uh, keep an eye out for him. This is a guy. Look, you know, he he also is another guy that struggled to stay on the field. Played in just nine games in 2021, just eight in 2022. But when healthy, he's one of the better corners in this league. Uh, you know, the big question mark, though, is is can he continue to, to not only stay healthy and stay on the field, but can he continue to progress as a lockdown corner? Uh, he's a guy, I don't think he's going to enter the draft this year because of the injuries, but he, he's a guy that I think, if again, if he can stay healthy, prove that, hey, you know what, all the injuries I put behind me, then he's a guy that we could potentially be talking about um, in the 2025 draft. Feels kind of weird to say 2025 draft right now, um, but uh, it's yeah, it's right on our doorstep. 2025, it's hard to believe. Um, Pitt Panthers. This is a, a group that I think is intriguing. You know, I, I'm, I'm really curious to see. They had you know Keaton Slovis kind of running the group, um, but what you look at is is Phil Dracovic is in now that that Slovis has moved on. Uh, 6'5", 235 pounds. 
uh, Dracovic, you know, look, you know, three seasons there at, at Boston College, 2022, you know, look, he battled injuries. You know, I, I thought that they did a, really a poor job protecting him, but, you know, he was at his best when Frank Signetti Jr. was his offensive, um, was his offensive coordinator. Um, Dracovic, though, I think a lot of people really got excited for him coming into um, the the 2021 season. Only played in six games. Um, really, that, that 2020 year was his best season. 61% completion percentage, 17 touchdowns, five interceptions. He looked like a guy that could be a bona fide stud and uh, you know, really move on to the league. But you know, six games in 2021, eight games in 2022, just really couldn't stay healthy and uh, just didn't get a ton of protection up front. So I think Frank Sinetti Jr., that's going to be a good uh, good pairing for, for Phil Dracovic for sure. Um, he's got Bub Means, the receiver, coming back, 6'2", 215 pounds. He's going to be that, that that focal point there in the passing game. But I think Kanata Mumfield, he's a 6'1", 180-pound junior. He'll be the other guy to watch out for. Mumfield was actually the leading uh, returning receiver with 551 yards. You know, now that Jared Wayne is gone, um, you're really going to see uh, – both Means and Mumfield step things up. And then the tight end, Gavin Bartholomew. He's one of the better tight ends in the country. Will he enter the draft? Not likely, but he's still a guy. I've got him in my top 10. He's 6'5", 255 pounds. The junior, he can block. He's got good hands as a receiver. Not the most athletic guy, but I don't think he necessarily needs to be to be effective. Uh, they're going to need Rodney Hammond to step up and fill the void left by big Izzy Abanacanda. Um, you know, that's obviously going to be hard to do when, when Izzy was, uh, you know, rushing for 100, I'm sorry, 1,431 yards and 20 touchdowns. Uh, you know, he's moved on to the Jets. So I think Hammond's going to have to really step up. But the offensive line returns three starters. I think of the of the group, of the trio, Matt Goncalves, the right tackle, 6'6", 325, is the best of the bunch. He's the guy that I think will be a day three selection. Um, on the defensive side of the football, I think you know, you've know you got uh, you know, Bengali uh, Kamara, 6'2", 225 pounds, uh, 49 tackles, three tackles for loss a season ago. Uh, Shane Simon, you know the, the former Notre Dame transfer, five and a half tackles a season ago. I think Kamara is the guy to really keep an eye out for. He's the guy that's going to be a big physical uh, guy that wants to, to to punch you in the mouth. MJ Devonshire um, was a playmaker there on the back end of the defense as well. 5'11", 190 pounds, uh, three interceptions a season ago. He's a guy that I think is a lot of fun to watch as well. Uh, so there is some talent defensively up front. Um, you know, Dayon Hayes will be a guy that I think um, you know, I, I'm, I'm waiting to see if, if he can step up his game and uh, and help put some pressure on the quarterback. I think that's something that you need to see. 6'3", 260, um, you know, nine sacks in his three seasons there. Really want to see if he can elevate his game and be a guy that can put some pressure on the quarterback. Obviously, when you lose a guy like Kalijah Kansi, you're going to struggle um, to uh, really find your identity as a as a group up front um, i think david green's you know a guy that's going to try to fill some of that void six foot 290 pounds uh, ten and a half tackles for loss six and a half sacks in his career uh, including three and a half a season ago he's really going to be the guy that uh, is going to kind of take that torch out of that undersized defensive tackle and, and see if he can kind of channel his inner aaron donald jalen twyman 
and Kalijah Kansi and see if he can turn that into a big year. I think he's a guy that um, has some of that potential. Um, I'll be looking forward to seeing what he can do there. I think the team is really going to be leaning on him for a big year. Um, takes us to Syracuse, the Orange. And, uh, you know, look, Garrett Trader's back another year. You've got a veteran under center. Anytime that happens, you know, you're, you're putting yourself in a good position. 600, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 2,640 yards through the air, 17 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Needs to cut down on the mistakes. Uh, he's very athletic as well. You know, 453 yards on the ground, nine touchdowns. Um, but again, the mistakes, needs to cut down on that for sure. Um, I look at it, you know, the, the running game, you know, you got to replace a guy like Sean Tucker. You know, that's going to be a big question mark. Um, you've got LaQuint Allen, New Mexico State's um, transfer, Jawan Price, who's now a junior. Those are going to be guys that you're going to need to have carry the football and, and put some pre take some pressure off Garrett Schrader. Um, Damian Alford is probably the best receiver of the group uh, that's coming back. Um, when you're just talking pure receivers, only a junior could decide to come back for another year. I, I really want to see if he can elevate his status um, at that receiver position. But look, the guy to really watch out for is going to be Ronde Gazdin II. Kind of a hybrid tight end wide receiver, you know, a guy that's really going to play mostly you know, either on the slot or you know, on the outside. He can be a dominant weapon. Um, I'm going to be curious to see exactly where all he lines up, but he's 6'5", 216 pounds, only a junior, um, but excellent catch radius, a guy that's going to be a big play guy down the field, uh, excellent body control, uh, huge catch radius. He'll be a weapon in, in the red zone as well. Um, has some good speed, some surprising speed. He'll run away from you a little bit. He's going to create mismatches. He's way too big for um, corners and safeties, and... He's much faster than a lot of the linebackers, so that's something that I'm, I'm really anxious to see what what he can do there. Um, up front on the offensive line, uh, you know, I think there's some holes that they've got to fill there, uh, be able to take care of Garrett Trader. So uh, really, for me, you know, with Dino Babers and, and this squad, um, Ronde Gadsden is going to be the top guy for me. I'm going to be tuning in to watch him play. Um, you know, I, I just I don't know that there's really much this year in terms of uh, draft capital outside of Gaz in the second on the offensive side. Now defensively, you know, obviously defensively they've got a there are a lot of holes that they have to fill. Um, you know, Rocky Long is, is bringing his three three five defense with him. Um, you know, what with you know you lose Garrett Williams the the corner, you lose uh, Michael Jones the linebacker. Deuce Chestnut, the other corner, he's transferred to LSU. Jihad Carter uh, transferred to Ohio State. So you've got those guys that you have to replace. Um, I look at Caleb uh, Okachukwu. He's the guy that you're going to have to rely upon to get pressure on the quarterback. Seven sacks a season ago. He's the guy that I think could um, find you know, himself drafted on day three. Um, 6'4", 268 pounds. Um, I think Marlo Wax is kind of the next in line in terms of Syracuse linebackers. 6'1", 239 pounds. This is a guy that had uh, 91 tackles a season ago. Um, I think he's got to definitely step up and fill the void left by uh, Michael Jones. And Justin Barron is going to have to be the guy uh, at that rover spot. Uh, he's 6'4", 220 pounds, only a junior. But, uh, man, he this group is just so depleted 
when you lose a lot of that talent, um, you know, Justin Barron, I think, is really going to be relied upon to to make some plays. I think you'll see him line up around the line of scrimmage a lot more. Um, and, uh, you know, just want to see, you know, is there any stiffness in the hips? Can he be a fluid guy? Can he drop into, into coverage a little bit? Or is he more of a box defender? I think that's going to be the big question mark when I watch him play. And, uh, you know, I think after that, we'll probably need to talk about, uh, let's see, flip a coin. Let's go with Boston College. Um, you know, I think when you get down towards the, the bottom of the group here at, uh, you know, in the ACC, you know, the, the talent level really kind of drops off. BC, their quarterback, Emmett Moorhead, um, you know, he's going to be the guy getting the nod, taking over for Phil Dracovic, has some experience already. Um, you know, Pat Garwo, you know, this is a guy that's that's run the football there for a number of years, only 400 yards on the ground a season ago. He's going to have to step up his game um, to get the running game going. They've got Ryan O'Keefe, who, who comes over from UCF. Um, he reminds you a lot of Zay Flowers. Um, so I think he'll be a guy that is going to be relied upon as a, a weapon in the passing game. But it's really going to be Christian Mahogany, 6'3", 335-pound, right guard. Had a season-ending injury a season ago, but this dude is is a beast up front. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'll tune in and watch some BC football just to, to see what we can get out of Christian Mahogany. I think you know when he's healthy, he can be a top five, top six guard. Uh, the question is going to be, can he stay healthy? Can that knee hold up? Um, I think that's going to be a huge question mark. Um, could Donovan uh, Izuruwaku become a dominant force coming off the edge that everyone is talking about? Eight and a half sacks a season ago. He's undersized. He'll be a 34 outside linebacker more than likely. 6'2", 250 pounds, but uh, very explosive coming off the football. Keep an eye out for number six. Uh, Vinny De Palma is an undersized linebacker at 5'11", 226 pounds. But he's a guy, you know, he's their leading tackler coming back. 87 tackles a season ago. I think the defense is really going to be leaning on him as well. Uh, the secondary, they've got a lot of guys coming out of the transfer portal. Uh, you know, Kari Johnson from, from Arkansas. You've got Alex Washington from Harvard. Um, Victor Nelson from, from Long Island. Um, you know, where did they fit into, the, into this group? Um, Johnson and Washington are seniors, but it's still a very young group. Um, it's going to be a group that you know, I, I think is kind of unproven. So that's really going to be a huge question mark for me. What can this group really do? Um, I just I don't know what we're going to see out of out of BC uh, on the defensive side. Izuruwaku is going to be the, the stud, and really that's what I'm going to be tuning in when I watch uh, Eagle football. I want to see Mahogany on, on the offense. I want to see uh, you know, Donovan E., uh, on the defensive side of the football, those are really going to be the two guys I think BC is going to be hanging their hat on uh, when it comes time for the draft. Now, Virginia Tech, this is a, a program, uh, you know, look, Brent Fry in his first year, three and eight, they really struggled to get anything going. Um, you know, they have Grant Wells back, uh, the senior now, a guy that transferred in from, uh, from Marshall. Um, but what's really interesting is the, the talent at the receiver position that, that's come in. Um, Ali Jennings, 6'2", 198 pounds, a senior coming from Old Dominion, moving into Power 5 conference play. And uh, you know Blake Watson moves on to, to Memphis, but you look at Jennings, he actually started his career at West Virginia, transferred to ODU, and uh, you know, just fell just a few yards shy of having back-to-back 1,000-yard -back seasons. Um, 17 yards per, per reception, 
during that time there at Ole Miss. I'm sorry, at Old Dominion, 14 touchdowns during that time as well. Really a good route runner and a guy that has some speed over the top as well. Then you add in Jalen Lane, uh, little dude at 5'8", 180 pounds, um, but a guy that I think could be a, a really nice weapon for them in the slot. Uh, a guy that can get vertical. Um, he'll be that big play threat. Uh, but at 5'8", 174 pounds, you know, I think you know the slot is really where you're going to see him make his his. Uh, uh, his home, but he transfers in from Middle Tennessee, where last year 69 catches, 940 yards, and five touchdowns. Uh, they also bring in, uh, you know, Daquan Fenton, uh, another guy that's a, that's a transfer, 6'5", 270 pounds, and, and Felton is a guy that came in from from Norfolk State. Um, so the passing attack the question is going to be: Can uh, Grant Wells be consistent? But he definitely has the weapons. Uh, in that passing game. So that's really what's going to make things interesting for sure. I think the offensive line is going to be a question mark, as is the running game. Really, the, their leading returning rusher is Grant Wells with 212 yards on the ground. Um, you know, So that's going to be you know a couple of question marks there. Um, you know, they, they can't just be a passing attack. They're going to have to be able to uh, really extend drives on the ground. I just don't know if they're going to be able to do that with any uh, consistency um, I think that's going to be the big question mark there. Dorian Strong's coming back from uh, a broken hand. He has potential there, uh, a six-foot corner. Uh, you also get Derek Canteen, uh, the corner from Georgia Southern. This is the guy that, look, in 2020 he had six interceptions. He's a guy that can also play nickel. Um, so Canteen, uh, not, not the biggest guy by any means, but a guy that... You know, it looks like he may even start the roster coming off the bench, but uh, the veteran leadership, the ball skills, I think he's the guy that's going to work his way in uh, very quickly. Uh, again, that six interceptions there in 2020 for Georgia Southern, uh, 22 pass breakups in his career as well. Um, you know, only 5'11", 190 pounds, but a guy that I think could absolutely be a playmaker for them. They're really looking for an identity on, on the defensive side of the football. Now that Dax Hollyfield's gone, they really have to find that. Keonta Jenkins, the linebacker, um, is a guy that they could be relying upon to to make some plays. Uh, 6'3", 212 pounds, a little on the undersized side, but uh, a guy that I think could step up and, and, and play well. Um, I just think there are a lot of question marks there on this group. Um, not a ton of uh, experience. So that, that's going to be my big question mark, my big takeaway with Vatek is you know, I, I like the passing game. I like the, the secondary fits that they brought in. Um, you know, I think this year's Peoples at safety is also going to be an intriguing prospect at six foot, 200 pounds, a guy to keep an eye out for. Um, but can they do anything on a consistent basis? You know, three and eight, I think they'll be improved from that. But uh, I don't know if they'll be you know, winning more than six games in – 2023. Two teams left. One is Georgia Tech. Brent Key taking over for Jeff Collins. Ultimately ends up going 4-4 four four as the interim head coach. He ends up taking over the job full-time. And, you know, you lose a guy like Jeff Sims, the veteran quarterback. That's obviously going to hurt. They bring in Haynes King. But this is a guy who he lost a starting job there at Texas A&M. Uh, Zach Pyron is another guy to, to keep an eye out for as well, the 6'3", 213-pound freshman. Uh, I think Haynes King is, is probably going to be the veteran guy that will probably end up seeing the bulk of the, the playing time. you got Dante Smith, a senior running back. 
um, 5'11", 203. He'll be the, the top guy running the football there. Um, but a lot of youth at the receiver position. Um, you know, they've got Dylan Leonard, the tight end, 6'5", 238. I'm not really sure exactly what you have there. Um, we haven't just seen enough of him. Uh, Chase Lane, the transfer from Texas A&M, he'll be a guy that'll be interesting uh, to watch on the outside, really how he can work into that group there. Offensive line does return four starters. Um, but again, you know, there's just so much uh, youth, lacks, you know, big, big time playmakers. Um, I think this is a team that, you know, there really isn't any depth. So it's going to be you know, really curious to see what they can do on the offensive side. Can they really sustain any drives? I think defensively, there is some talent on this group. Um, you know, they, they shoot, they finished 12th in the ACC in total defense. Um, you know, they, they last against the rush. You know, they really struggled um, in the ground game. I think that's going to be the big question mark. But they get Andre White, um, four starts there at, at Texas A&M. Uh, a season ago, he'll be the the linebacker there on on defense that they'll be really keeping an eye out for. Um, Andre White has to have a big year for them to really move the needle. Six uh, three, two hundred thirty pounds, uh, a guy that has you know ten ten and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks in his career there at A and M. One hundred thirty nine tackles, six pass breakups. You know he, he's got some potential. Really want to see what he can do, kind of elevating his game there. Braylon Oliver, uh, 33 tackles uh, a season ago there at Minnesota, six foot, 230 pounds. I think those are really nice pickups in the in the transfer portal. Um, not anybody that's going to blow you away necessarily. I think they'll, you know, will they be guys that we're talking about for the draft? Likely not. Um, but I think they're going to be solid guys up front. Um, Keon White is gone. They lost, you know, both linebackers from a season ago as well. Um, so adding these guys definitely is, is a nice little boost. I think you also have Miles Brooks, the 6'2", 192-pound junior strong safety, was an all-ACC selection a season ago. I think he'll be somebody that they're really going to be relying upon to add some of that depth there on the back end of the defense, a guy that they can really rely upon. Had three interceptions, 52 tackles a season ago, those 52 tackles. Most of anybody that's returning, I just think that Brent Key – has his work cut out for him. If Georgia Tech is going to return to prominence within the ACC, it's going to be uh, you know a years-long project. You know, I think Jeff Collins trying to get away from Paul Johnson's offense. Um, you know, it didn't have the personnel for it, and never really could uh, build the type of depth that he needed for that offense. And then when you take a look at Virginia, uh, man, Virginia. <laughs> Tony Elliott, just three and seven a season ago in his first year, and I think it's going to be another another struggle for them. Um, I think three is probably three wins is probably what the most you're going to see out of them. Tony Musket, um, a transfer from uh, Monmouth, is going to take over for for Brennan Armstrong since he's gone. Um, they also have Jay Wolfolk, a kind of a dual threat quarterback. Um, he's a pitcher on the baseball team as well, so he may be a guy that they'll throw in and, uh, and make some plays there uh, from time to time. But only three returning starters. Um, they do get Kobe Pace, which will be a nice boost there in the running game uh, coming from Clemson. Uh, Northwestern transfer Malik Washington at, at the receiver spot. I think that's probably uh, going to be the best receiver there on the outside. The Grant Mish, their tight end, he's 6'5", 247, a senior. 
Um, but you know, there, there's just so much youth and, and inexperience at the FBS level, especially at the quarterback spot. I just really am not sure what we're going to see there. Now, defensively, there are some guys on this group um, that I think John Rudzinski, um, the defensive coordinator, can get excited about. There are eight starters from a season ago. Um, you know, I think one of the guys that I'm a big fan of is Chico Bennett, uh, the edge rusher. Um, seven sacks a season ago, 6'4", 252 pounds. Now, he gets injured in practice, and it sounds like you know he may be back in time. He may miss a game or two. Um, ultimately, this is a team that, that faces off with, with Tennessee, then James Madison, Maryland, NC State. So, you know, hopefully Chico can get, get healthy quick because he's a guy that they need to have putting pressure on the quarterback. Opposite him is going to be Cam Butler, 6'3", 265, a veteran edge rusher presence. These are the guys that really need to get things going. They've got Aaron Falmui, uh, Jameer Carter, holding things down at defensive tackle. But when you lose guys like Nick Jackson, to Iowa and Fentrell Cypress to Florida State. You're going to have to find replacements. And I look at the defensive side. I, I just I think there are too many question marks. I think Tony Elliott's going to be in for another long year. Uh, the question is going to be just how uh, how long will Virginia be willing to sit at the bottom of the ACC before they make a coaching change? Um, Tony Elliott's going to have to start making some moves quick. You know, I think the biggest thing that he'll need to do there in Charlottesville is look to try to bring in as many uh, transfers in the transfer portal as possible. I think that's really going to be the, the key for him over the next couple of years. In 2023, I think Virginia is definitely in for a long year. So when you look at the ACC and you look at the matchups, obviously a lot of it is going to be centered around Florida State and Clemson. I think a lot of the big games are going to be those programs for sure. September 3rd. Florida State taking on LSU. Obviously, we know what happened last year, the, the one-point win. Um, what's it going to look like this year? I think these teams are both much improved. It's going to be two top 10 opponents. Look for Florida State. I think they're going to be just too much for LSU. Uh, September 9th, Texas A&M. Um, you know, I think that's a team that's still kind of in the middle there at the SEC. I, I don't know really what we're going to have there with Jimbo Fisher, but they take on Miami. And, uh, you know, Tyler Van Dyke, can he step up and have a big game? I think that's going to be one of the question marks there. If they can move the football against AM and that defense you know, with, with Leonard Taylor and Akeem Mesidor and then the safeties, Kitchens and, and Williams, you know, then I think that Miami is setting up for a big year there in the ACC. Uh, Florida State and Clemson, you don't have to wait long for that matchup. September thir uh, 23rd is going to be that, that you know, in Clemson, South Carolina, that's going to be the game likely for um, you know the ACC title. These two teams right there at the top. I still think Florida State has the edge over Clemson. Um, you know until Clay Kate Klubnik can prove otherwise. You can't just rely on Will Shipley to really get the get things going uh, on the offensive side of the football. There's a lot of talent there for Florida State on defense. I think they'll struggle to move the football. They'll have to really rely on Will Shipley, kind of making them a little bit more one-dimensional. That Clemson defense against Jordan Travis, that could be setting up Jordan Travis's Heisman uh, Heisman train. Be interesting to see how that plays out. Clemson then takes on Miami on October 21st. I think that'll be an interesting and intriguing game to watch. Um, you know, Whereas Miami, I think that would be kind of the litmus test for them you know, versus Clemson. Uh, Notre Dame travels to Clemson on November 4th. You know, I think that'll be another question. You know, can Clemson 
uh, return the favor against the Irish. They, they lost to the Irish a season ago. Um, that's going to be a, a question mark there. You know, look, you know, there's a chance that Clemson could have two losses um, there uh, after November 4th and really be out of it in terms of any national title contention. Uh, Miami and Florida State, we know that that's a huge rivalry. Uh, Florida State's won the last couple of matchups there. Uh, Miami, again, you know, they, they, they're primed and ready to have a big year under Mario Cristobal. The question is going to be, again, can they get consistent play at the quarterback position and on defense? Um, from there, North Carolina moves into Clemson on November 18th, seeing Drake May take on that Clemson defense. Um, you're going to have Tyler Davis. You're going to have Ruka Roro putting pressure on him. You're going to have Jeremiah Trotter Jr. and Barrett Carter flying around making plays. Nate Wiggins on the back end along with uh, Andrew McCuba. What can Drake May do to put on a show there? Clemson taking on South Carolina. They want to avenge that loss. Um, November 25th, I think it'll be a showcase for Spencer Rattler. See what he can do against that Clemson defense. Can he continue to elevate his game? Um, he's a guy that I think could potentially see his draft stock continue to rise with the way that he played down the stretch for the Gamecocks. And then finally, you got Florida, Florida State. Obviously, that's a, a matchup that everyone loves watching. Uh, Florida State, they had lost three in a row to the Gators. They win last year. Um, you know, Florida... I don't think this is going to be a big year for them. I think they're going to struggle. Billy Napier really needs to get things going with that program. They bring in Graham Mertz, a quarterback. He struggled at Wisconsin. He struggled in the, in the spring game. I really don't know what to expect from Florida. I think this could really be a thumping by Florida State. They can't sleepwalk through that game, though, because you know what happens in those rivalry games throughout the records. But if Florida State can win and win convincingly, they'll go into that ACC championship game and uh, potentially be on a roll and ready to get into the college football playoff. I think their, their team right now is primed and ready, um, and I'm really anxious to see what can happen. So when I look at this group, Florida State, Clemson really at the top. Carolina after that, Drake May uh, is going to be the guy. The defense is going to be carried by, by Cedric Gray, a guy that I think could end up being a buckus candidate for sure. Um, I think Duke has a chance to be that number four team with Riley Leonard. Uh, you know, and getting the help there from, from Graham Barton, Dwayne Carter, uh, really holding things down in the middle of that defense. Then after that, it's going to be Miami for sure. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh, Louisville, NC State, kind of, and Syracuse kind of in that next group. Um, I think Wake Forest is kind of in a, in a group to themselves. Uh, Virginia Tech, BC after that. Then you've got Georgia Tech and Virginia likely rounding things out at the bottom there with the ACC. It's kind of the haves and the have-nots. Um, and that's, I think the rich are going to continue to get richer. I mean, you look at what Florida State brought in with the transfer portal. Um, I think that's really going to be something to keep an eye out for. I think Mario Cristobal, if he can continue to get that program gaining momentum, that'll be a team to also be on the lookout for. Davo Sweeney's really has to start feeling some of that pressure. Drake May, look out for UNC if Drake May can have a Heisman-type performance. We could be talking about him come November and December, potentially with a trip there to New York. He'll definitely be either the first or second quarterback taken and the first or second pick in the draft will just depend on you know what teams are looking for. Do they want uh, Caleb Williams? Do they want Drake May? I think that'll be a fun discussion to have throughout the college football season and the pre-draft process.
which leads me to the Pac-12. That'll be the podcast that we'll have next, the last year for the Conference of Champions as we know it. Caleb Williams, top quarterback in this year's draft, likely the number one overall pick, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, but he's not the only quarterback. You know, There's like a good eight, nine really solid quarterbacks in Pac-12 play. We'll be talking about all of them. We'll break things down. It's not just the quarterbacks either. There's a lot of talent, and that's why it's such a shame that we're going to be seeing the last really of of this Pac-12 conference with so many teams scattering and leaving uh, to go to the Big Ten and and the Big 12. So it's going to be interesting to see how everything plays out uh, in this final year for the Pac-12 conference, but I'm, I'm definitely here for it. I'm definitely excited to see what happens Can USC get over the hump? Will it be Oregon? Will it be Washington? Or will we get a surprise from another team, possibly Utah? What could Deion Sanders do in his first year at the helm in Boulder? So until next time, everyone, for ReadyForTheDraft.com, this has been the Ready For The Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Until next time, I am out.